Hi everyone, welcome back to episode 7 of the DJ's Aviation Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning into another episode. If you are still listening, numbers have drastically gone down, but I obviously know a lot of people still enjoy listening to this, uh, especially the people who are listening live in the Discord server. If you would like to join the officially partnered server, a link will be in the show notes. Alternatively, you can join via our vanity link, which is discord.gg forward slash aviation. Now, in today's topic, uh, well, in today's podcast, pardon me, we have various topics, as promised in the last episode. That includes some day trips, DJ's transport, which has actually just recently gone live, and um, a whole lot more. I thought we'd begin with basically the biggest news, and that is DJ's transport going live. This is being recorded on Wednesday the 12th of May at 10.37pm local time here in the UK. It's pretty much the time I always record the podcasts. Um, But this will be going out live to you, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or maybe SoundCloud. It'll be going live um, on Saturday or Sunday, and you may be even listening to this a year in advance. Either way, it is Wednesday the 12th of May, uh, and the DJ's Transport Channel trailer went live about two hours ago. Um, Absolutely ecstatic with the response. People really enjoyed it, and uh, at the time of recording, about half an hour ago, I finished editing my first proper video for the channel that being a train news video and i can't begin to explain how difficult it was to record that not so much script write it but i'd say record it um and pronouncing certain names that personally i've never had to say before whether that's train operators or a model of a train uh for a lot of people that may be unaware i've always liked trains and other forms of transport whether it be buses boats cars Um, However, I'd argue I was probably more heavily into cars when I was younger um, and certainly didn't know anything about trains. And to be completely honest with you and transparent, a month ago, I wouldn't have been able to name probably any of the train operators within the UK. But um, with the coronavirus pandemic, again, feels really odd to say coronavirus and not have that fear of being demonetized. uh, Because for anyone that's curious, you don't make money from podcasts. I just do them for fun. Um, So I'm allowed to say coronavirus. Uh, without it being taken down. So thank you to the podcasting platforms that allow that to happen. That's what I was talking about. I was uh, discussing how I barely knew anything about trains a month ago and wouldn't have been able to really tell you any of the operators. So I feel like it's a perfect opportunity with DJ's Transport to really grow with other people that don't know as much as me. Um, I was saying that in, with regards to planes and all that jazz and even even cars in the past as well, Um, I was a big car nut when I was younger. My dad would take me to motor shows. I don't think they really happen as often anymore, at least to my knowledge in Melbourne, Australia, the local motor show, the Australian one got moved to, I believe, Sydney or maybe other destinations, but it certainly wasn't to the same capacity um, as when I was five or six years old when my dad and myself would go and I would even go to the Grand Prix for those people that are interested in Formula One. I would go to the Melbourne Grand Prix and for other people that are into supercars, I would regularly go to the Victorian races there. But I think uh, slowly but surely my interest kind of faded away and I would say I haven't really got back into that. Um, I think I may have just got bored or it became a bit stale. So it was really always planes. And I definitely had a period when I was younger that planes, my interest sort of faded out. For a lot of people that asked the question, um, I got into planes when I was four years old thanks to my parents. And I'm now, well, I'm turning 21 at the end of this year. So that's a very long time. Um, that I've mostly been interested in planes. And I think 
the D- the idea of DJ's transport and the idea of me trying to learn more about trains is just a breath of fresh air, something I, I needed for myself. And honestly, it doesn't even come from a perspective of, oh, I need to do it for work. It actually comes from a perspective of something else for me to enjoy. Now, we've all been battling with coronavirus and the pandemic, and uh, for a lot of us, our interests have been taken away or things we used as an escape. Typically, people always have work and always have school. As an example, I still work. As an example, you listening might still go to work or maybe you listening are still going to school. But those core activities that maybe we had, which for some people may have been going to clubs, some people it may have been plane spotting. For quite a few of us, it got taken away and we had to learn to adapt to a pandemic. And as an example, maybe you're interested in theatre. I know that's an industry that has been heavily hit by the pandemic and you've had to adapt because if you rely on something naturally for your happiness and it's taken away, you really have to look at other alternatives. And for me, while it didn't necessarily come from the pandemic, it was, I've been plane spotting now for a very, very long time and I wanted something different. Um, and I just randomly grabbed my camera and went out and took some videos, uh, pictures originally of trains and I loved it. And then I made the decision of, I'm going to video the trains and I, I love doing it. I go out pretty much every day whether it be to a station within uh, London, because there are a lot of stations, Paddington, Euston, London Bridge, King's Cross, Clapham Junction. There are so many within London that you can head to. And I'm even leaving some out like Charing Cross. Uh, And then naturally you have even ones that are an hour away, whether it be somewhere like Doncaster, York, you've got the Midlands, you've got all these areas. Um, Very, very close proximity by train and brilliant for seeing different types. So I've been taking that opportunity and been recording a bunch of footage and it's just been a breath of fresh air. So with regards to, I guess you could say, what other areas are going to be covered on the channel, there's a reason why I have an Instagram set up. It's because not everything with regards to transport I actually take videos of. Um, I'm going to try and make a conscious effort to maybe record some buses in London, but I mainly do photography of buses and cars. So... While I say that I'm not a huge car nut, if you will, anymore, I do very, very much like luxurious cars and seeing them. I think anyone can say, even if you have no idea, if you see a yellow Lamborghini on the road, you are going to have your jaw drop. Whether it's a Ferrari, a Bentley, a very, very high-end car is going to look nice. So luckily, I'm able to go to Harrods at times and just sit outside Harrods. And uh, for anyone that doesn't know, that's a very, very popular shop in London. And um, yeah, it kind of attracts the wealthy and rich. And if you plonk outside there, you will most definitely see 500 Ferraris, 500 Lamborghinis. I mean, I've gone there for half an hour and maybe got 90 different high-end luxurious cars. So while I haven't video recorded those, um, I've taken pictures and they'll be published on the other social media platforms. That's why I like to think of, if you will, DJ's Transport. It's not just the YouTube channel. Of course, YouTube is my main platform, but it will extend into other locations, if you will. So yeah, I don't really know where I was headed with all this, but the channel is live. The first video, first proper video will have already gone live, but for the people listening in the Discord server, it will be going live tomorrow and it will be a news type video, similar to what you see on my main YouTube channel, but it's just about trains. And like I said, it was very, very difficult to do. I'm learning, like I told you all, about a month ago, I didn't know anything. So, um... It's all, it's all very overwhelming, all the new types that you've never even heard of, and I'm talking like train types and new number combinations and then the registrations, and it's, it's so consuming and um, quite full on the head. So I'm taking things slowly, but like I said, if, if there's any time to be joining up to the channel, I'd say it's now if you don't know anything about trains because 
honestly, I don't really know much either. And I think it's a great thing of we're going to learn together. And as the channel continues to go on and be a passion project, I think that's going to be brilliant. I've had quite a lot of questions since the last podcast and just in general, um, how that's going to affect my main channel. It's not going to affect my main channel at all. At the end of the day, I still am a one-man show, even with the launch of DJ's Transport. No one else is, you know, no one else is going to collect, no, how do I put it? No one's collecting the content for DJ's Transport. No one's going to write the scripts. No one's going to edit the videos. Just the same as no one does that for my mainline channel. But naturally with that, it means I can't be doing daily videos on both channels. It, it would kill me. Um... So while daily videos, of course, are going to remain on DJ's Aviation, as that is really where the job and obviously income comes from, DJ's Transport will not be neglected and there will be continued content. I have recorded now something like upwards of 20 plus hours of train footage that naturally can be released in compilations, five, six minute compilations. And I have intentions of going up to many different stations while I'm still here in the UK. As briefly touched on, in a podcast, I think it may have been two podcasts ago, I am still exploring the possibility of coming back to study in the UK, which would mean that my time away from here is is not too long, but would allow me to, I guess, get out a lot of the content I filmed and, and take some stuff in Australia before coming back here. Uh, touching wood, maybe 2022, which would be next year. I have a book that actually has the train stations I've been to and how many times I've spotted there, and I thought... For any train nuts that are listening to this, this would be of interest to you to understand where I've been. I've been to Clapham Junction, London, Victoria, London, Paddington, Doncaster, York, Stratford Regional, Stratford International, Birmingham New Street, Manchester Piccadilly, London Euston, London Bridge, Liverpool South Parkway. There's an interesting story coming about my day trip to Liverpool. That was a disaster, to put it quite plainly. Um, I've been to St. Pancras International, London, King's Cross, and then we have, uh, that's it. But there are plans to go to Edinburgh, Waverley, Glasgow Central. Um, I'm headed to, actually, to be fair, at the time of recording this, I think we'll just go on to this uh, bullet point. I'm actually headed to Nottingham tomorrow. So that will be Thursday for anyone listening. And I'm going on one of the final HST services uh, with East Midlands Railway. So I'm very excited for that. I'll be documenting that experience with a trip report. That's something I thought I should mention. DJ's Transport will feature trip reports. Um, not aviation trip reports, but other forms of transport trip reports, mainly centered around trains. I already have some trips that I've recorded, but I'd argue it's very much trial and error. I've never done a uh, train report, and I never claim to be a trip report channel or like a blogging channel. So I don't really know what I'm doing, to be completely honest. It's very much trial and error. Uh, there, I am not that type of channel, so I, it's all new to me. I have recorded many trip reports already and I've not really been happy with the result except for one of them and I believe that was my London to Liverpool uh, trip report and also potentially uh, London to Manchester. I could tell you right now if I have a look at my hard drive what um, well actually my hard drive doesn't seem to be low. No there we go. Alright so if we go into second channel prep I have recorded now, to what capacity these are actually going to be publishable, as in I'm happy with them, remains to be seen. I haven't assessed the footage, but I think anyone can get a, a bit of a gauge, if you will. I've recorded uh, Euston to Liverpool, Paddington to Bath Spa, King's Cross to Doncaster, and Euston to Birmingham. Those are the ones I've done so far. 
Um, and personal. Oh, that's right. I didn't do the Manchester one because I had to run for my train, so I had no time to pre-record content inside the station or like the boarding experience. I pretty much had to run for the train. So yeah, technically there are four trip reports ready to go. Add on to Nottingham, and then in the future my Edinburgh ones. There should be quite a lot of content coming, um, but we'll see which ones get released because naturally I want to be happy with it. I don't want to put out a train report that I'm not happy with, if that makes sense. Uh, I want to be happy with it. And obviously I've got to compile all the clips and do an audio and give you maybe a bit of a brief history into the stations. So I'm very excited to be doing that and I'm sure I'll have plenty of time when I get back to Australia. Uh, but for now, it is very much planning the content out and getting it all ready, which is exciting. If you follow me on Twitter, that is the best place to see everything I've been up to, whether it be catches or prep for the channel. And naturally, I think it's a great place for anyone that likes trains because there are a lot of pictures of trains and videos. And namely, one of the most exciting things that has happened in the past week is me capturing the Eurostar moving for the very first time in my life. I've always liked the Eurostar and I've always known about it. I've always wanted to travel on it. Unfortunately, because of the coronavirus pandemic, I've been unable to do so. But at the very least, the one thing I wanted to do was see it moving. And uh, I did do that. I did see it moving at Stratford International. I saw it today and I saw it a couple days ago moving. I think the videos are really cool. Once again, I'm excited for everyone to see them. If you've already tuned into the channel trailer, and if you follow me on Twitter, you will have seen a brief snippet of the footage. And personally, I think it looks great. Um, it's a bit different to your typical trains that you usually see, like the Class 800s. I'd say it looks a lot cooler in my opinion. And just because it's the Eurostar and it's coming from Amsterdam or going to Paris and going into Europe, I think it adds an element of wow factor, if you will, which naturally makes it very, very enjoyable to spot. Um, and I'd argue that Trafford International is a great place to see the Eurostar. It travels on there. I believe there are, it's quite, Stratford International is quite a, a quiet station for how big it is and the infrastructure build up around it. it is located right next to a major shopping center. And for any football nuts like myself, it is also located right next to West Ham United's home ground, uh, which was the home ground originally for the 2012 London Olympics, but then was transferred ownership to West Ham United. And that's when they now play their home games. With that being said, Stratford International has a major buildup of infrastructure and it's not really used i mean you could go 30 minutes without a train the eurostar therefore passes through one of the middle tracks and gives you a great view as it appears from the tunnel the only problem is is you have no way of understanding when it's going to be coming through that tunnel there's a website a handy website that a uh, a follower sent me and i really appreciate that where you can get the expected pass time but as for that you don't know so the content that i've taken of the eurostar literally is me pointing at a tunnel for three minutes before you see a, a light appear and then the Eurostar uh, comes out. So it's quite funny because I'm stood there for three minutes shaking like, oh no, where is this train? And then I panic when I see the light. But yeah, I've seen the Eurostar. That made me very happy. I was ecstatic and, and I'm screaming about that. It was very, very exciting. Uh, one of the better things that has happened with regards to trains, and I know this is all about trains. It will eventually get to aviation. But like I said, this podcast is just about what's going on with me and and the brand and Aviation, I'd argue, has been a bit quiet of late, and I feel like it's been very dull with the pandemic, naturally. So, trains, this positive stuff. So, we're going to just talk about it. But yeah, so, if you listened to the podcast last week, you'll know that I went to Liverpool. And if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know of how much of a disaster it was. But if you don't, uh, Liverpool, my intention was to go to Liverpool Lime Street and uh, take a lot of videos 
Unfortunately, though, upon arrival after what was a three-hour train ride that was only meant to be two hours, 20 minutes. However, we got diverted through, was it Northampton? I believe we got diverted through Northampton due to a signal failure on one of the tunnels or line failures, I believe. One of the, the wiring above the lines had an issue and we got diverted. So I got in a lot later and um, I arrived at the station and, and what do you think happened? Um, I went over to the station people to request permission to let them know that I was there. Was there a way to sign in? Um, because Network Rail manages these stations and if you have a look at their website, they make note that they welcome all enthusiasts um, and that you should just alert the station staff and they'll be happily allow you access. But see, that's not really happened to me of late. Actually, the three days over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday were last week were disaster days. I got kicked out of five stations in the space of three days. <laughs> five different stations. And ironically, I also got a mention from London Euston on Twitter saying that they welcomed me to stations and all all network rail services, uh, pardon me, all network rail stations welcome spotters. And then the next day I went to Liverpool to a network rail station got off the train, went to the booth and got told, basically, I've got to try and remember, I can't remember it word for word, but basically I said, hi, uh, here to do some train spotting. And the first thing that I don't appreciate, and honestly, I don't care, I'm going to say it because it's the same thing for plane spotting is how the way you're treated. Now, I don't know whether if someone's listening is a plane spotter or a train spotter, but I'm sure you can understand what I'm saying and especially people that may be able to relate. But the way you're spoken to as a plane spotter and train spotter when you try and speak to security, or they're not even like security. A lot of people, I don't know the specific term, analogy, and the exact word that people use for them, but they're not police, but they're like wannabe police. They have that high-vis vest and they, they therefore think they're above the world. The way they speak down on spotters is disgusting firsthand. I've already experienced that with plane spotting. I have been interrogated for sitting in a parking spot, which is meant for spotting, and having a camera out. Uh, back when scanners were... Well, I, I don't know if scanners are legal anymore. I don't understand that. But back when they were fine and could be used, we literally had our scanner taken away for an hour because they, they were, apparently went to the control tower to inspect it. But he just took the thing and then threatened to call the police. It's little things like this, which I just don't appreciate um, when we're not doing anything wrong. And and the thing is, there are unfortunately, there are spotters that will do things wrong. As an example, with trains, um, the HST, people have been sticking their heads out the windows and, and doing a whole lot of stuff. I've Countless times I've been to see trains and people have been hanging off the platform. And see, that is where the issue is. And I do get how they give a bad name. But I think if you're following the procedure that they themselves put on their website, it's very difficult. And... Uh, sorry, it's it's not very fair, and I think this whole idea that they talk down to you and they do talk down to you is not appreciated either, uh, especially after coming that all that way. So I went all that way. I made note that I was there. I was going to say all that, and he's like, "Oh," and instantly I got that dirty look that you get if you're like a spotter of any sort of thing. Um, and I'm sure again, I'm sure people can relate to that. He called in his supervisor thing and they were on the thing for like two seconds and then he was like, oh yeah, no, you, you can't do that today. You're going to have to leave the station. I can't remember exact word for word. I can assure you it was a lot more worse than that as in like leave the station. Oh, sorry. It was like all videography and photography is banned today. Come back another day, like leave the station. I was like, brilliant. Now, I think I arrived at like 2.30 p.m. My train was at 7.48. Now, if I wanted to switch my trains, it was going to cost 80 pounds. So basically, I came to do the train spotting 
and was like, well, this is just perfect. For anyone that's into trains, I went on Avanti West Coast and it was my second time going with them. Um, so I was like, brilliant. Well, I guess I'm not going to be filming at Liverpool Lime Street. Hence why, just before I didn't read that out as a station that I'd actually been to, uh, because there's no point. I didn't see any trains. I wasn't allowed to see anything. So I sort of sat there outside and I was like, what on earth am I going to do? Because I came here to do one thing and I've basically been kicked out of the station. So I was like, that's fine. I'll go uh, with a lot of debate because I was almost tempted to go to Manchester um, because I, be- I went to Manchester Piccadilly and uh, they were brilliant. They were more than happy for me to train spot there. So I'm definitely going to be heading back there at some point when it's sunny. Um, so I was kind of like, what on earth am I going to do? Am I going to go to try Manchester for a couple of hours and then come back to Liverpool? But that didn't seem plausible or logical. But I did see that uh, Liverpool South Parkway was not very far away. And honestly, now looking back, I regret not going to Southport. I should have gone to Southport, but I didn't. And honestly, if I'm going to go back, which I don't really want to, but I feel like Southport would probably be a better option. Anyway, I went to uh, Liverpool South Parkway on a Transport for Wales service, got there, took a video of my Transport for Wales service departing, then got told off and got told to leave the station. Again... So that's, I, I think, I don't know how much expensive that was, but they are expensive ticket. That To be honest, the Transport for Wales one was not expensive, but getting out from London to Liverpool is expensive. Um, so it, it's naturally frustrating when you take that hit for the intention and then that happens. So anyway, I had to get then a Merseyside rail or Mersey rail. I'm not sure the exact wording. Um, to be honest, I didn't even know it properly existed until I was getting on the train up there. Anyway, I got Merseyside rail to, uh, what was it, Liverpool Central? And then I got lost in the the underground section, having no idea where I was going. And then I just worked out it was just a quick walk back to Liverpool Lime Street, which is where I sat for a grand total of four hours waiting for my train back to um, London. That was great. Also decided to get a milkshake, completely unrelated, decided to get a milkshake to make myself feel better. And, and typical to the day I dropped it on. Well, I didn't drop it. I got knocked into when I was going around a corner. By probably some crackhead or someone drunk and they bumped into me and the milkshake went onto the ground. So that that's just like one of those where you're like, yeah, I'm going to take the defeat, defeat for today and it's just not going to go well. So yeah, that was a disaster. Kicked out of five stations in three days, but ho-hum, um, where am I headed now with this podcast? Uh, we have one more day trip to cover, which was not necessarily all about trains. So if people are interested in just visiting and travel, the travel aspect, that will be covered very soon. Um, I just want to stick with trains briefly and try and cover one more. Th- if there's something else I was going to say, uh, let's think. We have Liverpool Lime Street. Oh yes, so pretty much, I was kicked out of Euston last Friday in London, a, tra- a train station that I've had no problems with before. Pretty much because drivers were complaining about me being over the yellow line. Now, I'm going to put my hand on my heart and swear on this podcast and my channels that I do not pass the yellow line. I know a lot of people, it's very easy for people to say that, but I am very, very careful. I am a responsible adult and I'm not, I'm not going to like generalize. I know adults will do this, but I'm not a 12 year old kid that is going to hang off the platform and put others at risk and especially myself at risk. So I always stay way, way behind the platform. But anyway, apparently drivers complained about me, which is weird because then I have drivers who wave at me and honk their horns at me and are very, very more than happy and honestly are more welcoming than station staff. So the station staff came up and was like, yeah, you got to go. And I was like, well, all right. What was funny about that was uh, after I got kicked out 
and I made note of that on Twitter about an hour later, the official station Twitter account responded saying, nah, you're welcome here. You're welcome at all our stations. I'm like, well, kindly pardon my French, but, you know, that's BS. Um, that's not the case. If that's going to happen at all the stations in, in that many days. A new station I've headed to in the past couple of days has been London Bridge. It's very, very busy. I found a cool spot today. I did go to London Bridge today. I found quite a cool uh, spot to see some southern trains. Um, it's at the end of Platform 10. I saw it on a YouTube video of train spotting. The station staff were nice there. They actually apologized for getting in my shot when I was recording, so that's a massive difference. Managed to do quite a fair bit of train spotting at St. Pancras International. Got the HST coming in on the weekend as well. Also managed to see, uh, what else did I see? A lot of southern high speeds, uh, which is something, southeastern, pardon me, high speeds, which is something I've not seen before. That goes through Stratford International and St. Pancras International, where the Eurostar goes into. Did some train spotting at King's Cross prior to my departure to now, perfectly, <laughs> I'm brilliant. I'm getting the hang of this podcasting thing. Do you see how seamless that was? I was talking about the trains and then boom, I'm like, King's Cross, and then we're going on to my next day trip. Round of applause. That's brilliant. See, I would stumble over at the, po- at the start of this podcast. I was like, what am I talking about? Now I'm just seamlessly going into stuff. That's dangerous, though, because I'll sit here for another hour talking about absolute waffle. Anyway, uh, I did some train spotting at King's Cross because I had a uh, train on the LNER Azuma out to uh, York, pardon me. Just one station past Doncaster, which is where I've already been. And this was a train that was going to Edinburgh Waverley, but I got off at York. Um, I was surprised to be on an LER, LNER, Azuma, pardon me, other Class 800s because they have been pulled from service thanks to those cracks, which, spoilers, is going to be the video for tomorrow, along with a lot of Greyston, uh, Greater Western Railway and Hull Train ones. But yeah, so I got on a, an Azuma there and back and spent the day in York, which was a lot of fun. Well, more like afternoon. I love the architecture in York and I actually went on a hop-on, hop-off bus. I was a proper tourist, you'll be pleased to know. Mainly because I took a tumble and hurt my knee the day before and I I couldn't be bothered walking around, so I just sat on the bus and took pictures. Uh, The pictures will be up on my Flickr eventually when I edit them, for anyone that's curious. That's where I dump pictures, like even transport pictures. Um, It's cool because uh, for anyone that isn't aware, I do live alone and I am here alone, so my parents are not with me here in the UK and have not been with me for the past two years. which means I can't do these experiences with my parents. And, and that's not to say that you have to spend every single second with your parents, but naturally it is fun to, to do things with them, especially as you get older. Um, I think you appreciate... I don't want to say you never appreciate, but you definitely appreciate the time with you get with them um, as you get older. I think, you want, I think it just becomes an understanding that they're not going to be around forever and you want to spend as much time with them as possible. So with that being said, it's become a routine that when I go on my day trips to different locations, whether it be York... Um, bath i actually do it with my dad now my dad you might be like well how on earth do you do it with your dad if your dad's in australia we basically get on a, a uh, facetime audio call and it honestly it does warm my heart it's very cute he um spends because of the time difference and time zones and i think people will like this is like a heartwarming story he spends the entire day well not the entire day probably like an hour um researching the destination that as he liked to say says like we are headed to and he'll make a bunch of dot points of what to see there and how to see it. And then, like, when I wake up, he sends the picture of everything he's researched and he's like, we should head here, here. Puts a big smile on my face. Um, so he did that for York. He researched a bunch of things, like, you should go to the museum. And then basically what he does is I call him when I get off the train and um, 
he'll be like, okay, you're going to step out now. I'm like, yeah, I'm stepping onto the road. And he's like, and he'll, he basically tracks me on Google Maps and Google Earth, pardon me, and walk. I'm like, I'm walking past this building. He's like, yes, that means the park I want you to go and see is on your left. You should walk into the park on the other. I'm walking into the park now. And he's like, okay, go down there and turn right. And then lo and behold, what he wanted me to see is right there. And honestly, it's really cool. And he loves that. And then he goes off to sleep. And it works out that usually when he goes to sleep, I go train spotting because, you know, I, and it was a good decision, to be honest. So I brought him along for York and I absolutely loved that. And I got to see everything he wanted to uh, wanted me to see, pardon me. And I went on that hop on, hop off, where they gave us a lot of history about York. And to be honest, for anyone in a total different sense of like, if you're just talking about traveling, if you have the opportunity to visit York, which is uh, north of London, I would highly recommend it. It's about a two hour, two and a bit hour train ride out of King's Cross. But honestly, it is worth it. It is beautiful. The architecture, the buildings, the history. Uh, If you're into the whole Roman times, you will absolutely love visiting York. And personally, I would love to go back and maybe look at it more in depth um, naturally, with coronavirus, a lot of things are still shut, so it's mainly just have to observe from the outside the architecture. Um, but yeah, another thing that features very prominently is, I believe it's called Shambles Street. Um, it is a known tourist destination, and it's Diagon Alley, and the reason I know that is because my girlfriend loves Harry Potter, mm-hmm. so it, it literally looks like Diagon Alley to an absolute T, and um, it's awesome. They even have like a Harry Potter store with lots of goodies, um, but yeah, the way it zigzags, the buildings kind of overhang each other. I, I, this is not a video podcast, so I can't show you a picture, but if you have the opportunity and you're just chilling out now and listening to this, you can type in Shambles Street into Google Images, like Shambles Street, York, and you might be able to get some pictures of it. But yeah, tell me, it, it definitely does look like Diagon Alley. So I took lots of pictures for that, uh, of that part of me, and it was really, really cool to see that. Um... Yeah, I think I spent a couple hours just walking around, taking lots of different uh, images before heading back to the station when my dad went to sleep. And um, I, I made the right decision because I, I then saw one of the biggest storms that I have seen in a very, very, very long time. I mean, this storm was pff, lightning right on top of me, thunder, cracking lightning, rain that was nearly blowing me off the platform so it was meant to be a train spotting session and to be fair i think i still got like 70 clips but it was a mess and in the end i just ended up i'm like well i'm gonna take as people would say nowadays take the l and i will take the defeat and i'm just gonna eat Uh, i ate a sandwich and just sat by the uh the bench and i was like yeah i'm just i'm just doing that i can't it was an absolute mess the rain was coming luckily it was undercover but the rain was still coming through and uh yeah uh, I also saw some uh, Ospreys, Ospreys, if you will, pardon me, two flying over. Quite cool video. They might That might appear in DJ's Transport in one of the York Transporting compilations that eventually releases. That was a cool catch that I saw. Uh, first time I've seen that other than on a aircraft carrier that came into uh, Melbourne, Australia when I was 15. So, yeah, it was cool to see them flying. And they made a massive roar and rumble when they were flying. I was so confused because for a second I was like, Oh, it must be a plane coming into Heathrow. I'm like, I'm in York. I'm not in London. So what on earth is this? And it was that. Uh, like I said, though, I managed to do a bit of train spotting in York, which was nice. But obviously, just as a place, I would highly recommend it to anyone that is looking for places to visit. Whether you live in the UK or if you're eventually going to come here, definitely add York to your list of day trips. You won't regret it, trust me. Um, and it's very accessible. The train station's like a five-minute walk from the main, basically, uh, say less than five minutes, and you're basically already there. 
Um, going through my points, I'm trying to have a look at what else I need to cover. Uh, one of, like, I guess a happy moment that happened to me today. I know a lot of people won't care for that, this section of the podcast regarding football, but, uh, yeah, I um, managed to get a ticket to go and see my football team play next week, next Tuesday. Uh, a lot of people might be like, oh, well, it's just a ticket. Well, actually, I've been waiting 15 months to get a ticket. For anyone that didn't know, I moved to London for various different reasons, but one of my main passions, bigger than aviation, trains, and anything, is football. I, I love football to death, and I love my football club to death, even though it literally kills me. I say this as we literally just lost 10 minutes ago. 1-0, but like it kills me, but I still love it. And I think anyone, if you have a sporting team and you're listening to this, you will know that feeling. Uh, but yeah, so I moved here to be able to watch my football team play. Unfortunately, that has been cut short and hasn't happened how I wanted and how I, I planned for so many years and worked my butt off to achieve. That hasn't happened with COVID, but I do get one last opportunity to go and see them play next week. So I was up at 8am uh, and managed to get a ticket it was really odd. I had to get a ticket uh, paired with my friend. The only way you can buy tickets is if you have a pair. Now, God forbid, I didn't have my friend. Um, and I went like by myself, which I usually do. But luckily, he needed a ticket as well. You wouldn't be able to go. Now, that, to, to put it simply for like, without me having to explain it for 10 minutes, as simple as I can put it, imagine for every game you go to, you get five points, right? For every game you go to for one season, you get five points. Now, when tickets for this game came on sale, you needed 75 points. Pretty simple understanding is that you need to have had 75 points. Whatever the maths is for that, <coughs> pardon me, whatever the maths is for that, you get what I mean. So yeah, you need 75 points. But what they don't tell, or what they tell you after is that you can't buy a ticket just for yourself. You might be like, what? Maybe you have 150. Yeah, those 150 points you have are irrelevant because you don't want to know why. You need to have someone else that has over 75 points to buy a ticket to. It's some stupid government regulation, apparently, that you need to have someone else. So if you don't have someone else, so let's say your best mate, Gary, or your your best mate, Lindsay, right, has 74 points. Not too bad. She has 74 points. He has 70. Not nah, you're not getting a ticket then. That is that is how ridiculous it is. I don't understand. Apparently, it has to do with government, but once again, does any of it make sense? No. At the end of the day, I got a ticket, so in happy news, I'm very excited about that because it's been pretty crap for 15 months not being able to go. So yeah, I think about 9,000 fans are expected. One of the biggest crowds we're going to see in quite a while, so I'm excited to be a part of that. And definitely, will be taking it all in as it will be my final experience before I go back to Australia getting to see my football team play. With that being said... 35 minutes into the podcast. Have we talked about planes at all? No. So maybe I could briefly take a look now at what's been going on in the past week with regards to aviation. And to be honest, nothing really. It's once again been a very, very quiet and stale week. Last week, there was talk of the new Airbus freighter, which I'd argue is probably coming along quite decently. I think I think we're going to see it, to be completely honest, when remains to be seen. I mean, even the Airbus executive has said that there's no exact time frame, but based on his wording, and don't get me wrong, I think if you're going to trust anyone, you'd want to trust the Airbus executive, but at the same time, I don't know whether it was lost in translation, and, and I bring that up because sometimes... Uh, if someone, if English is not someone's main language or, or something like that, maybe the way they say things can be taken differently and how they want to say something. But at the end of the day, he seemed pretty confident that they had already picked the aircraft type that was going to be, that they were basing it off for the freighter launch and they're just simply waiting now 
in my opinion, that's the A350, and I'm pretty sure he did say it was the A350, and it would slot between the Dash 900 and Dash 1000. As we know, Boeing dominates the freighter sector of the industry. I mean, it's just a common fact. Have a look at their freight portfolio, and then have a look at the A, uh, not the A330. I mean, that's evident, but have a look at the Airbus portfolio. The difference is staggering. I mean, even though they don't produce all the aircraft in the past, Boeing's had 737, 747, 765, 767, 777. It just goes on and on and on. And I think it means that there's something for everyone, whereas for Airbus, what? You have the A330 and that's about it. I mean, you have the Beluga, but the Beluga is not meant for natural. It's not like UPS are going to fly a Beluga. That's what I mean by that. So, yeah, um, I think the Airbus A350 freight will be very interesting. Hopefully, we can get some more information on that. But I'd definitely say it's coming uh, sooner rather than later. And I'd say we're probably getting closer to a proper development. The freighter market has been growing considerably during this pandemic. Not so much for... um. How do I put it? Not so much for passenger. Also, excuse any background noise. I live in London, so you got Uber Eat bikes constantly outside. We've actually been decent today. We haven't heard any sirens. I'm sure I'll have jinxed myself, but yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully we'll get some news on an A350 freighter, like I said, sooner rather than later. It's always cool to hear about new aircraft, but we'll have to wait and see on that front. 737 MAX, I mean... When 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 do we not talk about the 737 Max? Every week, it seems like there's something going on. And, and naturally, I won't get into my opinions in videos. I'll keep that very um, factual and we'll keep it straight to the point and I don't need to dive into my opinion. It's only going to cause controversy. But hey, not that many people listen to the podcast. I mean, across the platforms, it's dropped considerably. So I don't know how many it is now. Originally, it was a couple thousand, but I'm not sure what it is now. Um, it was definitely more when we first did it. But with that being said, um, the 737 MAX is a mess. I think anyone can see that. It's not even just to do with MCAS. I just think the entire thing is... Uh, uh, I don't know how to say it. A lot of people think that I enjoy talking about the downfall of the MAX. I couldn't tell you that that's more wrong. And I know the people that will be saying that will not listen to this because, of course, they don't want to listen to that. If they're making those assumptions, they're definitely not going to listen to a 40-minute podcast of me waffling. Um but it's it's so annoying. Like, I would love nothing more than to be able to be like, oh, the 737 MAX, that's 500 new orders. The 737 MAX is flat. Do you know it's been how long now? Two years? Are we approaching the third year of just consistent, I'm sorry to say, crap with the 737 MAX? It's over and over again. It's like every every week, oh, Boeing suspends delivery. Oh, Boeing, oh, there we go. What, we had two months of positive Boeing uh, 737 MAX news, and it was nice. It was nice... Like, to be able to get an email from Boeing and then they're like, oh, we have a new order for 50 aircraft. Oh, we've just received type certification in recertification in the United States from the FAA. But it's like that two months went like a click of a finger. I can't click my fingers. I just did it for some... I don't know how to do it. But anyway, you know what I mean? Click of a fingers, it was gone. And, and now all of a sudden, we're back to 737 max delivery suspended. Only four deliveries last month. Customers getting irritated by the 73. It's just, it's back to square one. It, it seems like problems with that aircraft are endless. And you know what? It, I'd be a hypocrite to not say that it doesn't happen anywhere else because it does. There are engines that have problems. I mean, look at the Trent 1000 engines a couple of years back. They were plagued with issues. I mean, even Airbus have had their issues. But I think it's hard to look away from the 737 MAX when it has crashed, sadly. Well, 
when I say sadly, you know what I mean, as in like the people. I think I think for Boeing themselves, they can't really be sad when, you know, how do I put it? A lot of it was down to their, what they were doing. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, it's absolutely devastating for the families on board and the loss of life. It, it shouldn't have happened. And that's, and that's where I, I have the issue is that it should not have happened in the first place. Yet it did. And it didn't happen once. It happened twice. And what bugs me more is that they knew and they tried to cover that up. That's where I, that's where I really draw the issue. And I think these consistent problems just add to that feeling of it's pathetic. And you know what? And you know what the funny thing is that their stupid decisions have now resulted for their own company. And what makes it funny is that they've just shot themselves in the foot even more because by them doing this, they're screwing their future aircraft as well. I mean, have a look at the 777X. Yes, it has its problems, but it's not going to be certified like that. It's not going to be certified with a click of a fingers. The certification process for the 777X is going to be mammoth and the scrutiny is going to be heavy consistently. And you know what? It isn't just going to happen with Boeing. The problems that Boeing have faced with their 737 MAX are going to be felt throughout the aviation industry when it comes to certifying aircraft. Long gone are the times where an aircraft would be certified easily. And and with that being said, you know what I mean? It is not certified easily to begin with. But imagine it being tenfold harder to certify an aircraft. That is, that's what's going on now. And Airbus will feel that as well. Because regulators need to be sure that the aircraft they are certifying is safe. Because look what's happened in the past. I mean, you can always make the argument that the FAA and Boeing had such a close relationship that Boeing basically certified the 737 MAX themselves. And according to reports that I've seen, they, they, they seemingly did. But that doesn't mean in the future the FAA aren't going to rapidly change how they certify jets. And, and that's going to, like I said, extend to Airbus. And Airbus are going to feel that as well. Uh, I don't know why I was bringing up the 737 MAX, but I guess we were just talking a bit about aviation. I mean, this is meant to be DJ's aviation podcast, but is it ever about aviation? No, I mean, I just like talking about other things. So excuse me for that. If you like hearing about aviation, I'll try and make a conscious effort. But I think when I'm basically every day writing about aviation, talking about aviation in videos, dealing with aviation emails, social media, it is nice to have a sit down and talk about something else. But I'll try and make a conscious effort, I promise, to include uh, at least a 10-minute period to talk about the week in aviation, dive into my thoughts that you do not hear in videos because, like I said, chatting on a podcast, relaxing like this, is totally different to in a video being like, yeah, as an example, I'll do my voice of, oh, in the press release, blah, 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 said this. Well, I think that's ridiculous. Why would I think that? Oh, the people at Boeing are ridiculous. The people at Airbus are just ridiculous. Airbus is so bad. Boeing's better. Like, first of all, I don't think that. But you know what I mean? I'm not going to do that in a video. That is that is just an absolute disaster waiting to happen. But yeah, the podcast, I feel like, can be a bit more free. That being said, I think I've covered everything. Tomorrow, I'm headed to Nottingham on the HST. So I'm excited to tell you guys about that. Next week, I was meant to head to Leeds, but I need to adjust my booking for Leeds because I'm going to the football instead. So I'm not sure when Leeds will be rescheduled to. But uh, yeah, you can follow the DJ's Transport Twitter and be updated on when I'll be headed to Leeds. And I will definitely cover it in a podcast because not much will be happening. Uh, pardon me. Not much will be happening in the next week. I'm talking until when I next record one of these. I think I may finally do one of these story podcasts, which means it's something like how did I get into aviation? How did I start YouTube? 
Um, so be excited for that as I will try and make a note somewhere that I'm going to do that because I, I know the part first, what, seven episodes of the podcast have all been a bit eh all over the place. Um, so I will try and make it a, a story-based one. With that being said, if you are still listening and you haven't subscribed for some reason to DJ's Transport Podcast, go over there and subscribe. There is going to be content on there. Uh, a big shout out to anyone still listening in the Discord server that has enjoyed the 45 minutes of me waffling about random stuff. Um, I appreciate everyone that was listened and decided to spend their Wednesday night listening to this. Um, and to you guys that are listening, you guys and girls that are listening to this podcast, whether we be in 2023, 2022, or you're listening at the time of this coming out, I appreciate you deciding to spend 45 minutes listening to this podcast. And if you listen to any more of them, I hope you sincerely do enjoy the content. I think that's going to be the time for me to sign off and say, take care, be safe, enjoy the nice weather, enjoy going out, have a good week at school or a good week at work and uh, an enjoyable life. (laughs) I'll see you next week. But I mean, if you follow me on Twitter or the Discord or you're on YouTube, I'm sure I will see you sooner but yeah if podcasts are only your thing i will see you next week um yeah i hope you enjoyed and yeah bye bye thank you for tuning into another episode of the dj's aviation podcast if you haven't already feel free to follow my socials being that of youtube twitter and instagram all under the dj's aviation branding if you're interested in seeing my large collection of car transport aviation and natural landscape photography you can check me out on Flickr. Interested maybe in also joining a Discord community with thousands of members? You can do so with the vanity URL of discord.gg forward slash aviation. Would certainly love to see you there. Until the next podcast, be safe and take care.